Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, this is Larry Phillips, and uh, we are going to be doing a Bible study this morning on... Uh, John chapter 3, and uh, very interesting, very interesting chapter. Uh, Many people have um, based their whole theology on one book, of course, John 3, you know, and we know what that is, (laughs) John 3, 16, you know. That's what many people have based. What they, in fact, I had a fellow one time tell me that he, his his doctrine, his theology was John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But he left out all the rest of the chapter, all the verses before and all the verses afterwards. <laughs> you know. Well, we're gonna we're not gonna leave any of the verses out today. We're gonna talk about this chapter, and uh, hopefully, it'll give some insight if you haven't thought about it before. And uh, I would encourage you, if you find this talks you, that you come back and check us out once in a while. Now, we don't invite people to chat while we're doing the Bible study. We don't use all these various and sundry commentaries, and we don't use newfangled versions of the Bible. We use the King James Version of the Bible, and we uh, try to stick with Scripture. Okay? Yeah, we'll make comments about the Scripture as as God uh, reveals it to us, but beginning with verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Well, again, this man was a Pharisee. And he was a ruler. And he was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. I don't know if his name Nicodemus has any meaning, but it has meaning to Christians now because he came to Jesus by night. I wonder why he came to Jesus by night. Have you ever thought about that? Well, I can tell you why he came to Jesus by night. My opinion, it's only my opinion. Because he was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. (laughs) That's why he came to Jesus by night. He didn't want to be, you know, he wanted to do that which was politically correct. He didn't want to be cast out of the synagogue. He wanted to retain his his title, didn't he? <clears throat> this, we, how do we apply that today? I wonder how many 
rulers of the Jews today are coming to Jesus by night and going behind the backs of their ecclesiastical authority. I wonder how many times that these people that are stuck in these religious sects and cults and ecclesiastical orders are are afraid to come to Jesus at all. And if they do come to him, they're coming to him by night. The Bible says that perfect love casteth out fear. The same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi. They love those titles. And so if they love the titles, they would automatically assume everybody else likes titles. <laughs> we know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. You notice how Jesus didn't suck into his title. He didn't suck into his uh, snow job. Nothing. He got right. He cut right through the chase. Jesus answered and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, Nicodemus, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a ruler. It doesn't matter if you're a Pharisee. It doesn't matter if you're of the Jews. If you uh, are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Regardless of your title, regardless of who you are, and regardless of who you represent. <laughs> Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? Do you see what total asinine thinking the unregenerate person has. This is like some of the asinine thinking today, isn't it? You know, uh, we can look at another passage of Scripture that I think is ap apropos to this kind of thinking today. Go to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to read a few passages here, what it says about this thinking. <laughs> You know, the unregenerate thinking, okay? Um, you know, I wonder how how many times that uh, people actually think that you can actually reason people into the kingdom of God. Christ says, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. But, Paul said, it is written, I will destroy. Um, well, let me start with verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto them which are saved, it is the power of God. <laughs> wow. 
one is saved, it's because it's the power of God. Okay. It is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. I was just talking to someone last night and trying to explain to this person that, look, you you cannot use logic to uh, talk about spiritual things with the unregenerate because they're dead. You can't just talk somebody into the truth. You know, I don't care how logical you are. He said, well, I believe 2 plus 2 is 4. Yes, yes. But you know what? To tell somebody, just like this Nicodemus here says, how can a man enter the enter the, his mother's womb the second time when he's old? And Christ wasn't talking about anything about physical birth. He was talking about spiritual birth. You cannot... You cannot get through to people that are dead unless they've been born again by the Spirit of God. They're not going to see, they're not going to hear, and they're not going to understand regardless of how logical you are. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Notice who made foolish the wisdom of the world. God. (laughs) God. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Why did the wisdom, why did the world know not God? Because God made foolish the wisdom of the world. (laughs) That's why. And also because they were born and conceived in sin, dead in their trespasses and sin. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Well, who are those that believe? Well, those that believe are the ones that are born again. Back to John 3 again. He says, for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. You know, Nicodemus was looking for a sign, and he saw these miracles and said, we, we know that you cannot do all these miracles if you weren't a you know, teacher sent from God. <laughs> but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks' foolishness. You know, Christ was a stumbling block to these Jews. You know, they hated him. He was a threat to their their titles and their authority. But uh, unto them which are called, <laughs> that's what that's what Christ was trying to that's what Christ was conveying to Nicodemus, unto them which are called, in other words, spiritual birth, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. See the distinction there? Unless you're called, you're not going to hear or see. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, not how that not many wise men after the flesh. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say, well, you just use logic, and you go out here, and you can appeal to all these people, and truth will prevail over error. No, it won't. 
not to people who are dead. You know, not not many wise men after the flesh. You can know two plus two is four. You can know a lot more than that. You can know quadratic equations. You can know. Uh, you can buy in the. You can you can know uh, all kind of chemical formulas and. You know, you can know how to uh, do a lot of things, play the guitar eloquently, play the piano in, you know, uh, D minor or whatever, but not many noble are called spiritually. For God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And you think you're going to appeal to their logic? Not many mighty, not many noble are called. <laughs> but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. You know, Nicodemus was a mighty ruler of the Pharisees, and he was afraid of his position, even though he was a ruler, and that's why he came to God by night, Jesus by night. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Well, why would he do that? Why would God do this? Well, it says that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know? Nicodemus was used to being around people that gloried in their flesh by wearing all the long robes and praying and and wanting the highest seats in the synagogues and being exalted by men. And and there, there was nothing more in the Pharisees' um, school than the glory in flesh, glory in flesh. You know, Richard Bennett said that, you know, he wore the most colorful robes in Trinidad most colorful robes that were available, prodding around, showing off his his flesh, right? But God had other things in mind for Richard Bennett, just like he had other things in mind for Nicodemus. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. <laughs> now, I know I didn't tell you this morning when I started doing a study in John 3 that I was going to go into 1 Corinthians, but I think it, I think it's apropos for, for what's going on here, here between uh, uh, Nicodemus and Jesus Christ. Because... Understand that Nicodemus, I mean, he had been so immersed in the system, just like a lot of people today are immersed in it. I mean, they have a bachelor's in Bible study, they have a master's in Bible study, and they have a Ph.D. piled higher and deeper in this, and they have all the Greek and all the Hebrew, and they have all the uh, accolades of men, and they have, they're put up on a pedestal and preeminence and so on. They are the they are the uh, 
Uh, cream of the crop. <laughs> cream of the crop. But you know what? Nicodemus was the cream of the crop, wasn't he? And he says, um, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Nicodemus, I'll tell you the way it is, okay? <laughs> Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I had my sister-in-law said one time, nobody's going to take my free will away from me. Now, is that flesh or is that spirit? Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Must be born again. Not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to be conformed to good works. I'm sure Nicodemus did a lot of things out there in the public that made him look good. How do you think he was exalted to the position of being a ruler of the Pharisees? I'm sure he tried to keep the law perfectly. I'm sure he didn't go out and collect any sticks on the Sabbath. And I'm sure he didn't go out in the farmer's field and get some corn. But Jesus' disciples did both. Jesus healed on the Sabbath and they ate corn out of a farmer's field. And I'm sure that Nicodemus wouldn't have uh, went out and tried to heal somebody on the Sabbath either, but Jesus did. Nicodemus answered and then said unto him, How can these things be? <laughs> Wonder why he would say that. Because he'd been mind-controlled his whole life, just like a lot of people are mind-controlled. Nicodemus had gone to, you know, the uh, uh, the first seminary of the Rockefellers. <laughs> he'd, he'd, he'd gone there. He'd gone to the seminaries funded by the Rockefellers. He'd gone to the seminaries that had been, you know, money, money, money. <laughs> Funny money. And so he knew nothing else. Why wouldn't he say, how can these things be? This goes totally against the grain. That's the way I felt when I read that first Corinthians the first time, saying that the wisdom or the foolishness of God is wiser than man. How can these things be, said Nicodemus? Jesus answered to him, you have a master's degree and you know... Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? You have a master of divinity degree and you are not aware of this? <laughs> if I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? I mean, you have a you have a PhD in uh, Greek and Hebrew. Uh, 
and you can you can translate the original manuscripts and you you have been in in ministry for you know uh, thirty five years or more if and I tell you you know how can you you know how can you receive heavenly things if it's not given to you by the spirit of God? Christ continues, he says, no man hath ascended up to heaven. <laughs> A lot of people think they have, you know, touched by an angel, right? <laughs> A lot of people think they have ascended up to heaven. They tried to make a tower that descended up to heaven. The Tower of Babel, what happened there? God confounded their languages. He says, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Now, how can that be? How can the Son of Man be down here on the earth and be in heaven at the same time? Is Jesus Christ is God, and God is omnipresent. That's how. <laughs> and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Here Jesus Christ is foretelling the fact that he would be, uh, he would be crucified on a cross and lifted, be lifted up from the earth. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He's still talking to Nicodemus here. You know, the, the conversation didn't stop. This was, uh, this was an ongoing dialogue, conversation. You notice it wasn't a dialectic. <laughs> you know, was it... Uh, God trying to come to a compromise with Nicodemus over over his earthly knowledge, saying, "Well, maybe we can reach a reach a compromise here. Maybe you you hold on to your Phariseeism and let me hold on to my godhood, and maybe we can some way mix the two together. Maybe we can mix this Arminianism up with with uh, with my sovereignty." No, no. Notice that God, Christ was telling him the way it was. He said, whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have eternal life. We're going to see in a minute who those are that believe in him. It isn't their belief. It isn't their belief. It isn't their belief. It's not their faith either. It's the faith of Christ in Christ. You know, the faith of Christ brings us into vital union with Christ. And now the uh, this would be what the Arminians would call the final finale. But notice that it isn't the final finale, because this is verse 16, and there happens to be 36 verses in that chapter. That was just the middle finale. And it wasn't even a finale. It was just a middle. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, like Herman Hoxie used to say, who are the whosoever's? Who are the whosoever's that believeth? Well, Jesus Christ is going to tell Nicodemus who they are. He says, God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. What world is he speaking of there? Is he speaking of the world as all men without exception? No. <laughs> He's speaking of the world of particular Jews and Gentiles who were chosen in him from the foundation of the world. Those are the ones that might be saved. Those are the ones that he would not condemn. It says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. <laughs> So the real question is, where does this belief come from? <laughs> where does the belief come from? Does it come from someone who's dead in their trespasses and sin? Can someone who's dead in their trespasses and sin believe upon the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? No. According to Christ, what he said to Nicodemus is the only way that they're going to believe is if they're born again. Back to the, back to the rebirth experience. Back to the quickening. You know, they were born once <laughs> physically, but they need to be reborn again spiritually. And of course, they were never born again, reborn again spiritually. They were just born again physically. They were just born physically. Now they're going to be born spiritually or quickened. He that believeth in him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Why can't he believe in the name of the Son of God? Because he doesn't believe. Why can't he believe? Because he doesn't have faith. Why doesn't he have faith? Because it hasn't been given to him. <laughs> you know? Ephesians 2.8, you know? For by grace are you saved, through faith, not of works, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Whose faith is it? It's the faith of Christ, which brings us into divided union with Christ. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that hath uh, believeth not, is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Well, why would men... Um, why would men love darkness rather than light? Well, he says, because their deeds are evil. Why were their deeds evil? Because they were born and conceived in sin. They're dead in their trespass and sin. The doctrine of original sin, that's why their deeds are evil. You know, Romans 5, all died in Adam. That's why they love darkness rather than light. That's why their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. 
You know, nobody's going to take my free will away from me. You know, nobody's going to reprove me for my being dead in my trespass and sin and need of a Savior. Nobody's going to tell me that I don't have, I wasn't born in the image of God. Nobody's going to tell me that I don't have a free will. Nobody's going to take my freedom of conscience away from me. Well, what about, what is this freedom of conscience? Is the freedom of conscience bondage to Satan? Or is the freedom of conscience alive to Christ? That's the question. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. How can you do truth? You ever thought about that? This is Christ speaking here. How can you do truth? <laughs> and how can you come to the light? Well, he said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man can come to me unless my Father draw him. <laughs> John 6, that's what he said. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. In other words, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's how you do truth. <laughs> Is through the Father giving you to the Son. And uh, he says, all the Father give me will come to me. And all that come to me I will no wise cast out. That his deeds may be manifest. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's the Arminian. There you go. It's all based upon your works. That his deeds may be found. Whoop, whoop. Finish the, finish the scripture. That they are wrought in God. What? Yes. That's what it's, what? Yes. What? <laughs> they are wrought in God. A dead person can't do any good thing. Well, that was pretty much the end of the dialogue, you know, between... Uh, Nicodemus and Jesus Christ. And that was a good way to leave him, wasn't it? I'm sure he went home. I don't know what hour that they finished, but if he went at night, it may have been early in the morning when Nicodemus got home. And you know he had to be, his mind must have been whirling 100 miles an hour. <laughs> well, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there. Uh-oh. That kind of blows away the sprinkling aspect of things, doesn't it? <clears throat> he baptized at Anon because there was much water there. I mean, if he wanted to sprinkle, he wouldn't have had to be around a lot of water, would he? I mean, you could bap, you could sprinkle a lot of people with a gallon of water. Think about it. <clears throat> and they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. Boy, there's a lot of questions today about baptism, isn't there? You know, there's a lot of lies being perpetrated about baptism. Baptismal regeneration, 
you know. Why is it as soon as a little Catholic baby is born, the priest has to run right down to the hospital and throw water on him, you know? And why is it in the some of the reform camps they say they don't believe in baptism or regeneration, but they throw water on infants? And I got had a guy get real upset with me. He said, "Why do you have to say throw water on? Because that's what you're doing. You're throwing water on their heads." There's not a lot of water there, so you throw water on their heads. <laughs> There's nothing in Scripture to validate baptizing an infant. Jesus wasn't baptized as an infant. I mean, that would have proven it once and for all if he uh, if he had been baptized as an infant, wouldn't it? Anyway, it says that there arose a question about some of the John's disciples and Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said to him, Rabbi. See, they tried to pull the same thing with John, didn't they? Giving him a title, thinking that that would weaken him or soften him. So that he, if they would give him a title, and they would call him by this title, that he'd give them the information they were looking for. <laughs> He that was with thee beyond Jordan, he whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Think about that, folks. People trying to, uh, you know, make people uh, pastors and teachers and school teachers and and missionaries just because they have a formal education. You know, that's not criteria that's not criteria for pastoring or ministering or eldership or bishopry or or teaching or anything. That's not criteria at all. That's not scriptural criteria. He says, John said here, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. You know? He says, ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I'm not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. You know, there's a person down here right now on this earth that's saying that he's the vicar of Christ. He was here last September in this country addressing the Congress of the United States and the United Nations, saying that he is the Vicar of Christ and allowing people to call him His Holiness <clears throat> and allowing people to carry him around on their shoulders. Call, and people call him the Pope. <laughs> and he's a Jesuit. John said, I'm not the Christ. I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. You don't have a bride, Pope Francis. You have a false bride. You're Antichrist. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Pope Francis doesn't rejoice over the bridegroom's voice. He tries to change the bridegroom's voice. 
change the bridegroom bridegroom's doctrine, you know, and make himself the bridegroom. John said, this my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Does this sound like a repetition of what Christ said earlier to Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the Pharisees? You know, there's people out there that have the idea that they must increase. (laughs) And they must increase in their knowledge by secular education, by having larger churches, having bigger budgets, having sugar daddies, going on Holy Land tours and cruises. No. No, your 401k has nothing to do with spiritual uh, with spiritual knowledge. He that cometh from above is above all. <laughs> Think about that, folks. He that cometh from above is above all. All the way through Isaiah, we see this taught. I am God, and there's none beside me. I will not share my glory with another. My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my good pleasure. No. I work all things after the counsel of my own will. Nobody's going to take my free will against away from me, really. Well, Christ said that I work all things after the counsel of my own will. <laughs> he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly. And speaketh of the earth. Have you ever been around somebody that they never want to talk about spiritual things? All they want to talk about is, you know, what kind of new car we're going to get, where we're going to go on vacation, you know, how much money we're going to have in our 401k plan at retirement, uh, when we're planning our next trip to Hawaii, how many tickets we've got to the Chiefs or the Royals game, how we are going to the Star Wars movies. (laughs) He that is of the earth is earthy and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. Notice he said, no man receiveth his testimony. Meaning that if a person is dead in their trespasses and sin, he cannot receive the testimony of Christ. It's foolishness unto him. You can, you can talk to your blue in the face and reason and, and, and try to you know, make spiritual things apply. It's not going to work. <laughs> He says, he that received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. You know, if, you, if you're receiving the testimony of Christ, then that means that, the, that Christ dwells in you. That's what it means. If you're receiving Christ's testimony, he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And no man can pluck them out of my hand, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. 
For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. You know? They said to Christ, he said, show us the Father. He said, have I been so long with you? You know? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. A lot of people don't like that. You know? You know? How can this man, they say, how can this man have this much power? Because he is the God-man. He's the Son of Man and the Son of God. He's the eternal Son of God. That's how he can have so much power. He's put all things under his feet. And that includes the tares and the wheat. And also, it says... In John 17, too, he has given him power over all flesh. You know, he has given him power over all flesh. Let's just look at that for a second. John 17, I remember the first time I read that, what an impact that chapter had on me. John 17, you know, he says... This word spake, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify thy Son. Thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. You don't, you don't hear very many people that are quoting John 3.16 quote that passage of Scripture, do you? And this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What is life eternal, according to Christ? Life eternal is giving someone the knowledge to know the true God in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so, you know, now, the last verse of John 3 is uh, profound just like all the other verses but I think it has um, some significance you know here uh, he says he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. How come they never talk about that when they're talking about John 3.16? He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Our many will say, oh, all you have to do is believe. The problem is you can't believe. <laughs> unless you're born again. Back to what Christ started with, you know. You can't believe unless you're born again. You have to be born again before you believe. Believing doesn't cause you to be born again. Being born again causes you to believe. <laughs> you know. Well, how did Christ start this whole treatise? 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, I hope this has been a helpful Bible study today on John 3 and passages in Corinthians as well as John 17 and the other passages that we've cited as evidence for the reality of sovereign grace and salvation and in all things. And may the good Lord be with you this day and take these words. Uh, He will apply them to your heart if you're one of his, if you've been given to him by the Father. And uh, that's good news for God's elect. It's not good news for those who aren't God's elect. The gospel is, you know, the Bible is written for God's elect. That's who it's for, you know. You know, it says, I've written these words that you might know, you know, these things. He also says, brethren, knowing your election of God. So... Let us take these truths and uh, uh, use them as a blessing to comfort our souls this morning. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 